0: All righty, uh, we're going to start a new series today called Common Threads, and we're going to be looking at some themes that run throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Because whenever you open the Bible and read any, anywhere, you can, you can read from John, Isaiah, Revelation, you're going to come across some themes that are present throughout Scripture. And when we read and we come across these themes, if we recognize them, we understand what they mean and we understand how it connects all of Scripture into one unified story, then it really deepens our understanding. It helps us to get a big picture view of what God is saying to us through the Bible. And it gives us some confidence that we can uh, follow along and uh, with this story, find our place in it. So we're gonna look at several different themes over the next few weeks. In fact, we're gonna be offering a Christian education class that will go along with this series that I think starts in February. You guys can check the brochure on that that's gonna be led by Matthew. So uh, if you're interested in, in digging into this more, sign up for that class with Matthew and, and dig into the themes more. So we're gonna start with the theme of the image of God, the image of God, which is basically a question for us about identity and not just identity as an individual, like who is Adam Coulter and you know, what, what are his strengths and weaknesses and gifts and struggles and who has God made Adam Coulter to be? But really, uh, it's more of a question of who are we as human beings, who, who are we created to be? Why do human beings exist on this planet? Which uh, is a fun topic to explore in the realm of science fiction. Anybody, any science fiction fans here? Yep, three, okay, good, great. Uh, we'll, we'll go to a convention together later. Uh, when you re- I like to read science fiction, but one of the things that it does is offers all these different like crazy ideas about how human beings, you know, wh- wh- how we got here and, 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 you know, one of the fun thoughts is like we were transplanted from another planet, you know, right? we're actually native to the earth, you know. Uh, that's all crazy and, and fun, but it's, it's, it's not actually true. But I think what it reflects is that this is a question that human beings have that we, we want to know. Where did we come from? Why are we here? And thankfully, God answers this question for us. The answer is you are made in the image of God. You're created by God in his image. And this is supposed to help us provide like a touchstone for our identity questions. So I wanna ask, how would you fill in this blank? I am always blank. How would you fill in that blank? I am always. The word always is tough there, right there, isn't it? I think we would like to say, Things like I am always kind, but then that wouldn't be true, right? We would like to say I'm always patient. That's not not necessarily true either. Just give this sermon about another 35 minutes and we'll test that one. (laughs) I am always self-controlled. Is that true? Neither is it true that I am always unkind or that I'm always angry. Or that I'm always judgmental. Part of our issue with with really understanding ourselves and our identity is that we change. Like we're a different person minute to minute. You know, sometimes I'm I'm happy and kind and angry, and sometimes I'm I'm unkind and sort of judgmental and critical. And and it leaves me with these questions of who well, who am I? Who am I always? Well, I'm always a human being, right? It's a good starting point. What does it mean to be human? If that's something I can point to and it's a touchstone for me and my identity, I need to understand what it means to be human. And here's what it means. It means I am created in the image of God. So let's take a look. We're going to be in Genesis chapter one to start with today. I hope you open your Bibles there. uh, Follow along with us as we read, but the image of God is a phrase that is not unique to the Bible. In fact, in ancient cultures, uh, this phrase was used to describe ancient kings. Kings would set themselves up as the image of whatever deity their pagan culture favored, you know? And so maybe Artaxerxes was the image of Ashtoreth or whatever, you know, the Persian, uh, Assyrian God was. So they would set themselves up and this was the way they justified having complete authority over all the people was, well, I am the image of our God on earth. I'm a representation of God on earth. And then they would make statues of themselves to acknowledge like, so other people could see them and acknowledge the image of God in them and bow down and worship these statues, worship the king ultimately. But God's people are commanded to never make images, statues, right? If anything in heaven or on earth is in the 10 commandments. Because God has already made something that bears his image. And it's in Genesis chapter one that we find that. Let's read in a verse, we're gonna pick up in verse 26. Chapter one is about creation, bringing darkness to light, separating water from land, putting all the things in their place. It's ultimately a story of God bringing order out of chaos. Isn't that, isn't that what God does? He brings order out of chaos, the, the land and water need to be separated. That's order from chaos. The fish need to go in the ocean and the cows need to go on the land. That's, that's order out of chaos. If you see a fish on land, you know something's wrong. This is, this is not how things were made to be. If you see a cow in the ocean, something's wrong. This is not, right? This is not how things were made to be. You gotta look at that and go, that's chaos. Cows in the ocean is chaos, God brought order out of chaos, put everything in his place. And as part of that creative process, here's here's what he says in uh, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So God is, is creating these human beings to bear his image. And we have to ask, what does that mean? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Does it mean that we're, we're just like God, that we have all power like God does? Well, no, obviously doesn't mean that. Does it mean that we're like God and that we, we know everything? We know what people are thinking and feeling and all the time. And no, it obviously doesn't mean that. What does it mean? Well, well he he says what it means. He says, I am creating you to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. God says, I am I'm creating human beings to join me in this process of bringing order out of chaos, to join me in this process of essentially of gardening. That's what it was for, for the first humans, right? Their, their role was to garden and that was how they were living into the image of God in them. Some of you are like, yes, gardening, that's my thing. And some of us are like, no, thank you. You know, that's what grocery stores are for, right? But gardening is, is a process of participating with God and bringing order out of chaos. In, in the wild, if you, just, if you just scattered a bunch of corn seeds out in the wild, would they grow in rows like perfectly spaced for your combine to come through. No, corn, corn doesn't grow like that. Farmers make corn grow in rows so it's easier to harvest and, and all those things. That's bringing order out of this thing. God made corn, farmers didn't make corn. God made corn Farmers make it grow in rows, right? This is what you do with your garden. If you garden at home, you, you, you put things in categories and in rows and you fertilize different things, different ways, and you have all these, you're, you're bringing order out of these things that God made, these good things that God made, like you know tomatoes and, and cucumbers and, and other things that he made, like asparagus and broccoli. And, you, and you, you, your goal is like, I want this to flourish and thrive. I wanna have the biggest tomatoes I can have and the smallest asparagus, right? Like that's, that's the goal, right? God invites us into this process with him to rule over the created world. And and in doing so, we make some pretty good stuff, right? God didn't make bread. Like that's not in one of the things listed in Genesis 1 that God created. But God made grain, uh, which can be ground into flour, and then mixed with water. I don't know how you make bread. I know those two things are important. Like you, and human beings, like human beings took this thing that God made, this grain, and they took the water that God provided, and they, we, we made fire. And then we made, you know, cast iron skillets or whatever. And we, put, and, the, and, you, and we make bread. And that is a participation in being the image of God. We are participating in God bringing order out of chaos and, and bringing flourishing and thriving out of the created world. That's what we're made to do. And sometimes we make really good stuff. We take the chemicals that God put on the planet and we make ibuprofen. Thank God for ibuprofen, right? This is, this is a gift to, to all mankind. It's a good thing that we made. We, we take these ingredients and we make ice cream. Thank God for ice cream. But then sometimes we take these good things that God made and we make bad things with it. We make nuclear weapons. Like with the things that God put on the planet, we take on this authority to participate with God in in bringing stuff out of his created world. And we we make meth and we make, you know, like we just make all these bad things too. Like why do we, sometimes we make good things and sometimes we make bad things. Why do we do that? Because we have chosen, human beings chose, in Genesis chapter three, you'll find this story, where human beings chose to actually say no to God's invitation to participate with him and bringing flourishing and thriving out of this created world. Human beings kind of said, you know what? Uh, you can, you know, you do th- your thing. We're actually gonna do our thing. We think our thing is better. Or it may not even be better, but at least it's our thing, right? This is, this is how we think as, as teenagers sometimes, at least it was how I think, and sometimes how possibly my own teenagers think is like, you know, mom and dad, your way is your way, and maybe it's the right way, but it's not my way. I would rather do my way and be wrong than do your way. So I'm just gonna do my way. This is kind of what Adam and Eve did. They were probably 15 when they did this. You know, God made this invitation. He was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they were like, you know what? We're gonna do our thing. Even if it's wrong, at least it's our thing, right? That's what human beings have done. And so that's why we take the good that God has made and provided on this planet. And sometimes we bring good out of it. And sometimes we bring evil out of it. But thankfully, God has showed us a way to uh, uh, what it looks like to take this authority that he's given us over the created world and use it correctly. So ever since Adam and Eve, we've kind of just been this mixed bag of bringing some good stuff and bringing some bad stuff out of the world. But God sends a human being who always does what's right with his authority. And that is obviously Jesus. Jesus shows us what it looks like to live with this authority over the created world. So I just wanna read this one passage from John 13. This is right before uh, what we call the Last Supper. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God. Let's pause right there. Jesus is, is sitting in this awareness that he has all authority, in heaven and on earth. Like he is the most powerful human being on the planet. And he's just, kind of, he's just kind of acknowledging this in this moment. What kind of human being can you come up with a name of somebody that you would trust to have authority over everybody on the planet, to be the most powerful person on the planet? Who do you trust with that? Nobody, right? I mean, we're gonna screw that up and we have proven that over and over again. Humans don't handle power very well. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work out well. But when Jesus has all authority, all power, the most powerful person on the planet, what does he do with it? He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When Jesus embraces his authority over everything else that's been created, he leverages that authority to serve, to be a blessing to others. And in doing so, I mean, he is showing us, this is what you were made for. This is what it means to be made in the image of God, that you take this invitation that God has given you to participate with him in in ruling over the created world, and you use it to bless, use it to serve, use it to bring good, into the world and into the lives of other people. And Jesus reflected that perfectly. That's what, that's what it's supposed to mean for us. That's why as Christians, th- this knowledge that we are invited to rule over the created world should impact how we view the environment, like just on a very basic level. What, what is our responsibility as followers of Jesus who believe this was our created purpose, to, to partner with God in helping the earth thrive? As, as a group of, of 8 billion humans, we're not doing a great job with that over the last 100 years or so. What, what, what is our responsibility? How do we pay attention to that? It's, it's a theological question. How do we, how do we see our environment? Um, this, this is just one of the examples. We, we have this capacity to rule and we're, we're made for it, but we abuse it all the time because we choose to do our way instead of, instead of God's way. We're also created as the image of God to reflect God's nature and character to the world around us. That people should be able to look at us to see what kind of people we are and go, oh, I see a little bit of what God is like in you. And yet we mess this up all the time too. Because again, we have chosen our way and our way ends up. What happened in the garden with Adam and Eve when they they choose their way over God's way, they, they decide to take authority for themselves to decide what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, it fractures the image of God in them. It shatters it. So they're no longer accurately reflecting the the goodness and character of God in the world around them. They're, They're sending a distorted view of who God is to the people around them. And this is what happens with us. This is what sin does in our lives. It fractures the image of God in us. It shatters it so that we no longer presenting an accurate view of who God is, we're presenting a distorted view of who who God is to the world around us. Wouldn't it be great if we had an example of what it looked like to perfectly reflect the nature and character of God in the world around us? Thankfully, we do. Jesus, again, Colossians chapter one, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Uh, Hebrews one uh, echoes this, sentiment that, that Jesus is the perfect representation of God in human form. If we want to know what it looks like, because sometimes we go, well, to reflect the nature and character of God, that seems way beyond me because God is, uh, I mean, great. He's the creator of the universe. He's, he's so much bigger and, and beyond us. That's why we have Jesus. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, like, look at me, I will show you. Paul says, he's the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what it looks like to live into your created identity, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And not only look at Jesus, we don't just look at him and, and hold him up as a model that's far off. We can, actually, we can actually put on Christ. That's a language that the New Testament writers use. We can put on Christ. This is what, how Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul says the matter of becoming who you are created to be is to say this this part of me that wants to reject God's authority in my life, this part of me that says I wanna do what I wanna do even if it's not what God wants. And that results in a fractured, shattered image of God in me. I am I am leaving that behind. I am taking that off, just like taking off an old sweater that I probably shouldn't have worn anyway. I'm taking that off and I am putting on the image of God in Jesus. Like I get to just put Jesus on like a coat and I get to, I get to reflect who he is to the world around me. And it's an incredible offer. It's an incredible gift that we've been invited to reflect the nature and character of God in the world around us. This is what the fruit of the spirit is, is like this this description. Here's what it looks like to reflect the nature and character of God. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When Paul writes those words, he's, 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 he's writing this in contradiction to some stuff he says right before this. Like, here's what it looks like to live with the fractured, shattered image of God distorting people's view of God through your life. Here's what it looks like, in contrast, to show people a true picture of what God is like through your life. This is what you were created for. And the beauty of the invitation to give our lives to Jesus, to make Jesus the center of our lives, is that this can be taken off and thrown away, and this can be put on. Every single day, we have this choice to take off the old self, put on the new self every single day. And in that moment, that choice is not really just about what do I wanna be today? Do I wanna be, do I wanna try to be good today or do I wanna just do what I want today? That's not what the choice is about. If you're a follower of Jesus, the choice is am I gonna honor the commitment I made when I call Jesus my Lord and Savior? Am I gonna honor that today? If the answer is yes, taking off the old self, putting on the new self. Am I gonna honor the commitment I made Maybe it's a good time to reflect. Why did I, if you chose to follow Jesus, why did you make that choice? When you called him Lord and Savior, did you mean Lord and Savior or really just hoping for the Savior thing? What does it mean that he is Lord and Savior? Am I willing to take off the old and put on the new on a daily basis so I can be made new? We can't do this ourselves. We can't fix this. It can only be done away with and we can be given something new instead. So we rule uh, and alongside God in, in partnership with uh, bringing flourishing and thriving out of his created world. We reflect his nature and character to the world around us by taking off the old self, putting on Christ. And then we connect with other people who are made in the image of God. This, this should have profound implications for how we view other people. I think it's really easy to look at other people and see how fractured they are how broken they are, how distorted the view of God in them is. In other words, it's really easy to find other people's faults, isn't it? I mean, we're super good at this. <laughs> it's almost like we all went to college for this. like, oh, we, yeah, I can, I can see what's wrong with you from a mile away, you know? And the closer I get, the more I can see that's wrong with you. But what Scripture invites us to do is to see that glimmer of hope in every human being who's made in God's image to have that image fully restored in them through Christ, to see that glimmer of hope. I like how C.S. Lewis uh, says this. He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never met a mere mortal. That is not how you feel when somebody cuts you off on the highway, right? That, that That is not how you feel when someone gossips about you and you find out. That is is not how you feel when someone rejects your effort to show them love, your offer of forgiveness, your request for forgiveness. But this is what's true about people. This is why James says, and this is just one example of where this shows up in the New Testament, but in James chapter three, he's talking about the power of our words and the power of the tongue. Here's what he says. With it, that is the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. So with our tongues, we sing praises to God on Sunday morning. Make us one. We love you, Jesus. And with the same tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouths come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So, that, that's, that's, why it's, that's why it's so wrong to curse other people. No, I don't just mean cur- the curse is like in the, in the biblical sense is like a pox be upon you. You know, not that kind of curse, but we have words for people, don't we? We have words for people that, that hurt us or that we don't like, or we think they're a little crazy. Why are those words bad? Is it because the word itself is bad? It's, no, it's because that human being that you're using this word to describe was made in the image of God and they have infinite dignity and value and worth and they have this potential, this glimmer of hope in them that that image can be restored through Christ. That's why it's wrong to curse other people. They're made in the image of God. And, and man, if we, if we can learn to see that glimmer of hope if we can learn to see that, just, just that little bit of the reflection of God in other people. It changes how we see people. It should change how we see ourselves as well. Like that's, that's one of the, I mean, we're, honestly, most of us, we're hardest on ourselves. But we, we can look in our own mirror and we can see all the things wrong with us. Because we're the only ones who really know our full history. You know, how, how many bad decisions we actually have in our wake. We're the only ones who really know that. We're the only ones who really know how dark our thoughts can get sometimes, how bitter and angry we can be deep down. And we look at all that and we go, man, I'm a mess. I, I, am, I am just absolutely shattered. But we have to see in ourselves, I'm also made in the image of God. And there is this glimmer of hope that if I give my life to Jesus, I can be made new. No matter how shattered I get, I can be healed and whole in Christ. This is why in the the greatest commandments, when Jesus says, greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Why those two? Why, Why not just love your neighbor? man, it's really hard to love our neighbors and see the image of God in them while also rejecting the image of God in ourselves. Jesus knows that and put that together, quoting from Leviticus, and he says, you gotta do both. You have to be able to see the image of God in you and understand what's possible. When you give your life to Christ, you can be made new, and then you can see it in others as well. That's why it's so important that we treat each other with respect. Not just because it's the nice thing to do, not because God will get mad at you if you don't, but because everyone is made in God's image with this potential to have whatever's been broken and shattered, made new and whole so that we can clearly reflect who God is to the world around us. Sometimes it's it's really just, disheartening to see how fractured and broken we can be as human beings. I think about a friend of mine who is uh, homeless. Um, he has some mental health issues that make it difficult for him to make good decisions. He has some drug addiction. He's battling all these things. And it would be easy just to look at his, his life and, and kind of where he's at and go, man, I, I, I never would have done, you know, I never would have made those decisions that led to, to get to here. But in reality, we're not that different. In reality, I've, I've sinned and, and the image of God has been fractured in me. I have my own brokenness. It'd be easy kind of to, to, to say, well, you know, we, we're just fortunate. Like, you know, he, some of his brokenness is a result of his own choices, but some of it is a result of choices other people have made that, that have fractured him even more because he comes from a long line of, broken, fractured images of God, as do I and as do you. So my, my goal in, in viewing this, friend, is to see, first of all, that we're not that different. I want to be able to relate. I want to be able to see, like, I can see myself there because we're, we're just not that different. And, and also, I, I want to I hold on to that hope that whatever has been broken can be made new in Christ. That's what I want to see when I look at him. That's what I want to see when I look at you. That's what I want to see when I look in the mirror. Whatever's been broken can be made whole. That's what it means to to be made in the image of God. That's what it means that God sent Jesus to show us what this looks like perfectly, to show show us what it looks like perfectly to rule alongside him, to reflect his goodness and character and to connect with other human beings. That's what we're after. I, I... I believe that this is a theme throughout scripture and you can find it, you can track this. It shows up over and over and over again. In fact, when you look at the patriarchs, you look at Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and all of these people. These were people who kept rising up among the Israelites and hoping, like the, it's like the whole nation is hoping this will be the person who shows us the image of God. And every single one of those human beings failed and revealed their brokenness until Jesus comes along. So you can see this thread run throughout scripture. Why? Because it's, it's us. We're in this story. We are people also who are broken and fractured by sin. Sometimes it's our own sin. Sometimes it's the sin of the people who came before us. And we all need this hope that what's been broken can be made whole through Christ. That's what we're invited to embrace when we think about what the image of God means in, in our own lives and what it means in the lives of the people around us. So I just want to ask you to pray with me. We're going to um, just pray this morning about how to live into the image of God in our own lives. And maybe, maybe your prayer is about uh, how, how you partner with God and bringing good things out of the world. Maybe you've, you felt like you don't have anything to contribute, but can you look around at what God has made? And you, can you, Is there something good that you're bringing out of that? That's, that's living into your Identity as someone made in the image of God. Maybe it's, it's how can you more accurately reflect God's character in the world around you through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How can you more accurately reflect that in the world around you by dying to the old and being raised to the new every day? And maybe it's really shifting how you see yourself and other people, how you see people around you as people who are made in the image of God. And there's that glimmer of hope that everyone can be made whole. So would you pray uh, along those lines with me? And let's let's just take this uh, time to invite God to change us. Father, we thank you for the good that you're doing in us, uh, for the good that is yet to come as you are committed just to shaping us, molding us into the kind of people that you created us to be. Thank you for stamping us with your image from, from day one in our very DNA, And I pray that you remind us, God, that all the brokenness in us can be healed and whole. Everything that's worked to shatter us and our reflection of you can be made new. Would you gently, through your spirit, convict us where we need convicting? Would you inspire us where we need inspiration? And ultimately, God, would you bless the world as we reflect your true nature and character to those around us. We're so grateful for who you are, what you've done. We ask you to help us live into your image in us today. In Christ's name, amen.